the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, and it's a gospel that's very familiar to us. It's the healing of the man who was born blind. Um, And when I read this passage and I looked at it, um, I saw a different element. Um, Last week we spoke about how Christ came when he healed the paralytic man who was on the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. We saw how Christ came and freed him from the bonds of his sickness. And we spoke last week about how Christ came to free us from the bonds of sin. How he came to free us from the condemnation of sin, the power of sin, and the corruption of sin. Today, actually, we see a different type of freedom. We see like a contrast of of two people or a group of people and the blind man. A blind man who we can say in the beginning of the story, he was, you know, captured or enslaved because of his, his blindness. And we see the Pharisees and scribes who could see visibly. And in the end of the story, you see a man who was born blind, who was made free from his blindness and could see. And the Pharisees who saw remained blind in their uh, spiritual vision. They couldn't see uh, and come to the understanding. So I think if we look at from the, this perspective, we can see here that there's another element of freedom that we need to address. Not only the freedom from sin, but also the social freedom. The social freedom. So we'll speak about that uh, this morning. And I think everyone agrees that freedom is an ethical norm. Something that if you ask the majority of people in the world, they will say this is something we support. Right? And we mentioned this kind of freedom. We have to be, you know, specific what we mean by this kind of freedom. Um, This kind of freedom that we all um, share or enjoy or like is the lack of subjection to any kind of ownership or uh, tyrannical authority. So somebody to control us um, or to own us. Another form of freedom is the lack of restriction for one's actions. So I'm free to move about as I like without somebody saying, you know, this is a restriction because of, you know, who I am or what I believe. The last is the the absence of obstacles to how we speak, how we assemble, how we worship our religion, and so on. These are the types of freedom that is something that we promote and enjoy and actually is the foundation by which this country was uh, built upon. Uh, so it's desirable. And this is why you'll find many nations, yani, they'll try to emulate this kind of uh, democracy. <clears throat> um, however, many, even in the pursuit of this kind of freedom, will be willing to give up much. Will be willing to give up even their time, effort, labor, and money, and even their life to get this kind of freedom. And this would happen again in this country through the previous wars that you studied, you know, in uh, in grade school, um, <clears throat> freedom also lies at the heart of Christianity. If you think about when God created man, He created us free. He created us free, and not only was it free to move around, but also the freedom to choose and to obey and disobey. So created us with the ability to disobey us. And this is something that we as humans, we can't do. When we create something, we create it so it obeys us. No one creates a computer and says, okay, the computer has an option. When I write my report 
and I spent hours has an option to save or not to save. Imagine kid that you write, you know, you spend hours writing this paper, and when you go to hit save, the computer tells me, I don't feel like it today, I'm gonna shut down. And you lose everything, right? 90% of us will take the computer and throw it out of the window, right? So when we do something, when we create something, we expect it to be obedient. But God, when He created us, He created us with the freedom of choice, even when it comes to be the disobedience. So freedom is something that is yani, promoted and uh, nourished in the Christian doctrine and teaching and something that we all enjoy and desire. However, there are some illusions of freedom that I want to discuss uh, first here. Um, because nowadays freedom, the word freedom has been abused and misunderstood and misrepresented. They take it now to be applied in a kind of license that there should be nothing that uh, I'm subject to or restricts me from doing what I want when I want. So they look at any kind of restriction or responsibility as impinging in one's freedom. Right? This is not what true freedom is about. Right? True freedom is about to be able to express yourself freely without being discriminated against because of what I believe or how what faith that I have. Right? So there's an element of freedom that we all agree upon. But the totalitarian type of freedom where there is no limit to the freedom is not really freedom. And we'll see that. But this actually can lead us back to slavery. And this is the paradox of freedom and slavery. The first illusion that, you know, we might have or that's, you know, kind of maybe, uh, taught us indirectly is that freedom is found outside of oneself. Freedom is found outside of one's self. A lot of times we tie our freedoms to things that are external. What do I mean? We feel freedom is restricted by, you know, social restrictions. Like when the government told us or whatever, you had to take the vaccine. Some people looked at this and were very offended with this, right? So they feel like any kind of restriction, a social restriction that's placed upon me is a kind of impinging in my freedom, right? Again, this is something outside of myself. Sometimes we might feel that my freedom is restrictions by the obligations placed upon me. You know, when I was a bachelor, I would go out with my friends and do, go do this and I move about as I want. And now after I got married, my wife wants me home every day and I, you know, what is this? Right? So you feel like this kind of obligation is a type of impinging on one's freedom. So then I begin to look it to find ways out. Maybe we'll feel that our physical and health, our, you know, physical abilities and our health are limitations. You know, this is something certainly, you know, I feel now, you know, when I try to play basketball with the young kids, my mind says run, but my body says I can't, right? So there's some kind of physical, you know, uh, inhibition here, right? So some people look, if I'm physically unable, this is something that's impinging on my freedom, and I will be better off if I got rid of this, right? So then we have the unending pursuit to keep us at 20 years old through different surgeries, medicines, and now there's all these fitness craze and all these different vitamins, and we spend so much time with these things trying to what? Because we feel that this is a type of freedom. If I can make myself 20 years old again, then I'll be free from being getting old. But I hate to break it to you, we're all going to age regardless of what we take, right? The end is going to be the same. 
Saint Augustine said something beautiful in his book, uh, The Confessions. He says, he's speaking to God. He says, you were within me and I was outside of myself and sought you outside of myself. So he says, the whole time God is within me, I didn't know myself. I was outside of myself. And because I didn't know you, I didn't know myself. I only knew myself in relation to what was outside of me. Then I searched for you outside of me. So he never found him. Only when he looked inside of him and he knew who he really was and accepted who he was, did he find Christ there. And this is why sometimes we feel that we can only have freedom if we can get rid of all of these restrictions and limitations. Um, and anybody or any institution that restricts or imposes any kind of limitation, there is a rebellion against and backlash. And this is why it's common among the young people as they're going through their adolescence, they want to be able to do and say what they want, but they fear their parents' guidance is a type of limiting of their freedom. So there's this tendency perhaps to rebel. So the first illusion is that we find freedom outside of ourselves. This is where we're searching for it. The second illusion is the belief that happiness can only be achieved through unlimited freedom. Happiness can only be achieved with unlimited freedom, with no restrictions. And society will tell us and teaches us that unlimited freedom will give you limitless happiness and bliss. If you can get rid of all of the things that are restrictive, you will be in this utopia and this euphoria and you would feel wonderful and you'll be happy for the rest of your life. This is what they tell you. When I was preparing for the sermon, I was trying to find some pictures and stuff. So I typed freedom. And among when I typed freedom, I got kids of some slogans. And this kind of tells you what the mentality of the social you know, uh, arena is. The first one says what? Freedom is being yourself without permission. Well, what does this mean? Being yourself without permission. Be free, don't question anything. Don't let your conscience rebuke you. Do whatever makes you feel great. Even if it's at the expense of someone else. Even if it's at the expense of your own salvation. Do it. The next one, what? Look at this one. Break the rules. Find your freedom. Live your life. So here it's what's saying that in order to be free, you have to break the rules. Now this doesn't make any sense. So that means all the rules that are created are meant to inhibit our freedom. But none of them are meant to protect us. Imagine if all of you who drove cars adopted this kind of philosophy on the road. And some of you do. You know the road rage. We adopt this kind of philosophy. But imagine if all of us adopted this philosophy. What would the street... Well, probably it would be gridlock because we'd be so many accidents. Right? So we understand that this is not something that's real. And it's not sustainable. And it's not reality. But this is the slogans. These are the kind of ideas that are being pushed upon us and upon our young ones about freedom. The freer you are, the happier you, you will be. Of course, when we speak about freedom, as we spoke in the beginning, the healthy type of freedom, this is true. When we're freer, we're happier. Again, you look at anybody now who... Uh, in the history, who was under any kind of oppression and wasn't free, they would say, yes, being free is better than being under the Nazis and uh, and, and so on. Um, <clears throat> freedom is 
something that uh, all of us humans we desire and we were created to be free and not to be slaves um, and this we see as I said earlier and clearly in the book of Genesis we have a great need for freedom because at our core we have this fundamental desire to be happy and we can only find happiness uh, or we there's no happiness without love and no love without freedom so you see the the connection here with love happiness we only find happiness in in love and there can only be love with freedom love cannot be coerced or forced right so is why you know when two people get married and then later they have a problem between them we say no one forced you to get married because this is something that was done willingly we love each other thus we say we want to spend the rest of our life together when we befriend somebody you befriend them because you love them not because somebody forced you to be their friends Force, uh, love cannot be something that's forced so in order to experience true love from which we get happiness there must be freedom <clears throat> we can also say that freedom gives value to love and love is the precondition to freedom uh, and it's this love that is where we find this true happiness and freedom and St. Paul describes it very beautifully in Romans chapter 8 listen to what he says he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? What's the common denominator here? Everything is external, as outside of him, right? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can separate us that's outside of us because the love we have from God is within. And no matter if we're in prison or we're free, the love is the same. The third illusion is that freedom can only be attained in autonomy. Meaning what? That I am controlling, I'm in control of myself. Autonomy, right? Again, if you look at uh, the fall, this is exactly what Eve thought. She thought in the, in the beginning, when they were just Adam and Eve and everything was good, anything they wanted or questioned, they would go to God and He would give them the instruction. Right? So everything came from God's direction. And then when she was tempted, the serpent came and told her, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Meaning what? You don't need to go back to Him. You'll have autonomy. You'll be God, like a God. And this was appealing. If I can be in control of myself, then this is what I want. Why would I go back to Him? So ultimately she thought she was finding freedom when she and Adam ate of the fruit. But actually what they found was bondage and slavery to sin. Right? What they thought they were finding freedom, they actually found slavery and sin. Freedom, my beloved, can only be found in submitting to God. Because he is the source of love and thus the source of freedom. This is why in Matthew 16, the Lord says, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Will find it. So you mean losing something, I will find something greater? Yes. And if I try to save my life and hold on to something, I can lose it? Yes. Yes. There are some social pressures 
that seem to desire to enslave us. I'll mention just three of them. There could be many, but I'll mention just three of them. So when you look at again at the social, the, uh, this idea of social freedom and freedom, there are three t- three kind of things that try to enslave us, uh, uh, social pressures that try to enslave us. Number one is the social opinion. Social opinion. Um, it's much easier to be a follower among the masses. It's much easier when I'm in a group message or a group chat, when somebody says something, for me just to like it and give them a thumbs up. What happens if I give them a thumbs down? Then the criticism. What do you mean? Why'd you give me a thumbs down? And then it starts this big, long conversation. So it's easier just to clap for people and say, bravo, yes. When everybody's doing something, it's very easy to go along with it, even if I don't understand. This is called the herd mentality. Right? It's easier just to go along than to question. Let me just disappear in the masses. And you'll find a lot of times the people who are just consumed with social media, they know catchphrases, right? Because the catchphrases are easy, you can share them, right? So you'll find when you enter a conversation with somebody, you'll find the same catchphrases from different people. Because they read just something that sounds kind of catchy, and then this is what they base all of their belief on. So they take a catchphrase that they think sounds kind of cool and appealing, and upon it they, believe, they build a belief system about this catchphrase. And I just repeat it. Anytime Abuna or my parents ask me about it, I repeat the catchphrase. Even if they, uh, the, we you know, proved otherwise that this catchphrase is nonsense, we still adopt it anyway. Because there is a social opinion. And when I disagree with social opinion, sometimes there is a penalty for this. Sometimes, you know, uh, we're to- it's easier to be told what to believe than to think what you, what you believe. It's easy. You know, this is what we should believe, so this is what I should believe. Especially when it comes to my peer uh, group. And to be honest with you, if this is the case, this looks more like slavery than freedom. Right? God created us, my beloved, to be social beings. He created Adam and Eve to be social and their children and gave us the ability to speak and to talk and to be commune with one another. But I don't think to the degree of the modern level. Um, there is a role for in child development where a child ought to um, desire the approval of his parents and his immediate peer group. And this is healthy. Like this, you know, uh, forms the basis of like a community. When I'm able to think of my brethren and how I fit among them and how I better the community that I live in. But I don't think we're ever created to attempt and try to please the global masses. Right? People we've never seen before. People we've never met before. You know, when I expose myself to a lot of social media, then that's what I'm doing. Now, instead of trying to get the approval of my parents and family and my close friends, I'm trying to gain the approval of everyone. And being a priest, this is impossible. You can't please everyone, right? And nor will everyone ever always like you, right? There will always be people that love you and the people that hate you. But you know what? If I'm so concerned about getting the global approval, you will always live in oppression. But it's easier to gain the acceptance of your family and close friends group and the community that you live in. You can gain that acceptance. This is acceptable and this is attainable. The other um, pressure is social acceptance 
is that we have this need to feel or be accepted by our family and friends, and this is rooted in our need to love and be loved. Um, and I, I mentioned already that this uh, the social media adds a dimension of difficulty uh, that sometimes is insurmountable. What do I mean by insurmountable? That because I can't accomplish it, I feel the weight of this on my head and on my heart. I'll read a statistic to you that was from 2010, right? Uh, 12 years ago. It came in a publication about uh, bullying and suicide. The study was conducted in here in the United States and examined 2,000 uh, middle schoolers from one of the most populous school districts in the United States. 20% of the respondents reported seriously thinking about attempting suicide. 19.7 female, 20.9% male. While 19% reported attempting suicide, 17 or 18% female, and 20% male. And they said what was the most common form of cyberbullying was the following. And they quote, posted something online about another person to make others laugh. So the people who thought so much bad about themselves to be able to push them to su- want to commit or attempt to su- commit suicide was because somebody made a joke about them on social media. Right? So yes, it's insurmountable. It's a real problem, right? The effects were not built and made to be able to try to satisfy the whole world. Consumption of social media pressures us to strive to gain everyone's approval. And then they penalize you when you don't. Right? You don't get the thumbs up. You, you're, you're not friended anymore. You're scandalized online. You can be blackmailed online. They can make false witness against you online. All because you don't meet their standard. This is a high price to pay for disagreeing with someone. Lastly is the lofty social standards. This is the last pressure. And this lofty social standard is like, one of them is the standard of perfection. Again, and if it's not met, I can be ostracized. People, when they post pictures of themselves and they don't get the likes, they say, okay, it's not perfect. Let me touch it up. Let me add makeup. Let me add something else to make it more exciting. And then when people look and this is like more acceptable to them and this is perfect in their eyes, then they give you approval, right? So there's this pressure of, being perfect. And when you're not perfect, they make you pay for it. Right? We all, maybe some of us who are up, you know, with the news, something happened in the Oscars last week, right? That was somebody who maybe we thought was respectable, right? And he is respectable, right? He made a mistake, right? And then you find kids in the media going the exact opposite, right? Now, and it's very common, Somebody who's within this like popular group, when they make a mistake, now all of a sudden they find themselves on an island by themselves. Right? This is, and actually this is what Satan does. You know, Satan will tell you, you know, come commit the sin and you'll be great. You'll be free. You'll be loved. And then when you commit the sin, he goes to God and say, look, the person who you uh, say your son, look what he did. Look what she did. Right? And complain and try to isolate you from the church. It's the same thing. Also, there's um, the another lofty social standard is perfect justice. Perfect justice. Perfect justice cannot be attained without God. There was a, um, a, 
uh, a Christian author by the name of Thomas Aquinas. He said, mercy without justice is the mother of dissolution. Dissolution means like to dissolve. All right? But, and justice without mercy is cruelty. So, yes, we want justice, but there also needs to be an element of mercy, or else it just becomes cruel, right? Where letter for, like, the letter of the law, and I don't care what happens to you as a person. This is cruel, right? So, yes, we want justice, and justice is good, but with love and mercy, not with cruelty, right? This is why, when you come and confess, and you tell Abuna our sin, your sins, we don't publicize it and scandalize you, Right? Yes, and including myself. When I go confess, thankfully Abuna doesn't do this to me either. Right? Because there's love and mercy. Am I guilty? Yes. Would it be just if he reported me to the police? Perhaps. But he doesn't. Because there's justice and mercy. Right? Real quick. How can we free ourselves from the bonds of social slavery? <clears throat> and we'll get this from the story of the blind man. We'll see this blind man. He was, he was incredible. Right? Although he was blind, but he was strong as a rock, right? The first thing we find in this man when it came to the social pressure was his tolerance. He had high tolerance. Tolerance for what? Tolerance for injustice. When he was kicked out of the, the temple, was that justified? He said the truth of exactly what happened over and over again. What happened? Well, a man named Jesus came, opened, touched my eyes and said, go and wash in the pool. And I came back seeing is this what he did? Who is he? He's not this person. He says, this is exactly what he told me to do. I'm not adding anything or taking it away. And then they didn't believe him. Right? So they went and called his parents. And then they kicked him out of the temple. Unjustly. It wasn't right for them to do so. Did he complain? Did he go to the governor? Did he go to anybody? He just went outside. He was able to accept some injustice. We've gotten so sensitive sometimes that when there's some kind of injustice, we feel like the whole world needs to know and I need to scandalize that person and make it public. Why? It's okay. It's okay if we go through some kind of difficulty. It's going to strengthen us. I'm not promoting injustice, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not promoting injustice. Justice is good. But I'm saying about our sensitivity level, right? Also, he was able to bear being alone. He was able to endure or tolerate being alone. And again, a comment from the young folks, and even maybe some of the adults. I'd rather not be alone, so let me go along with whatever everybody else is doing. But he fought this social pressure by being comfortable being alone. I'm okay if I'm the only one out of the temple. Because I know I didn't do anything wrong. And what I'm standing up for is something that's right. So I'm okay being alone. If I'm okay being alone, then you're on your way to being courageous. Right? You're on your way to being courageous. And the irony here, where did Christ meet the blind man? Outside. When he was alone. So this tells us when we stand up for what is true and right, yes, we might be alone, we might be lonely, but we'll never be alone. Because he'll be with us. We might be lonely, but we'll never be alone. The second is his toughness. There are three T's, just so we can remember. Uh, tolerance, number one. Toughness or courage is the second. We find our confidence in convictions in the truth. He knew the truth and he didn't veer off the truth. And he just kept repeating the truth. That's all we have to do, right? When somebody comes and questions us and asks us about what we believe, we state what we believe and the truth that's of the gospel. We don't need to like go further. We just state the truth. Whether they want to accept it or not accept it, it's up to them, right? So this is being tough or courageous. Lastly is truth. 
He didn't embellish the miracle to garnish their approval, right? He didn't make it seem any bigger than it already was, right? He didn't lie. He didn't make things, he didn't puff things up to gain their favor. Nor did he give in to their intimidation and their threats. When they went to call his parents, he didn't say, okay, okay, okay. I'll agree with you. Just don't call my parents. He didn't say that. And he said, okay, if you continue, we're going to throw you out of the temple. He didn't say, okay, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't throw me out of the temple. He didn't concede to their threats nor to their intimidation because he held to the truth. So we can overcome the social you know, uh, pressures that are against our social freedom with uh, tolerance, toughness, and truth. Today, my beloved, we see all a person and the man who was born blind who experienced not only... Uh, freedom and by illumination, freedom from sin and his condition, but also social freedom that all Christians are invited to enjoy. All of us are invited to enjoy this. And we have to be careful though there are some illusions that we find our freedom outside of ourselves, that uh, the belief that happiness is achieved uh, through unlimited, unlimited, unlimited freedom with no restrictions. And number three, that freedom can only be attained and autonomy by myself and not dependence on God. And we said there are three social pressures, social opinion, social acceptance, and social standards, and we can overcome them and we can find freedom from uh, this social uh, slavery um, and tolerance, toughness, and truth. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.